Thank you for tuning in to Christ Alone Podcast. Our hope is that God can bless you through this week's episode. All right. Welcome to Angie and Steven's podcast. Christ Alone. Christ Alone podcast. <laughs> that that makes you smile really, really hard. Because I love this intro. All right. Whoever wrote this jingle is uh, amazing. Uh, yes, <laughs> yes. Um, she's all right. Whatever. Uh, so welcome back, everybody. Uh, once another week we're, uh, we're still here jesus, we're still here <laughs> jesus hasn't come yet <laughs> don't worry all right he's not here yet but he could be yes. before we finish this podcast <laughs> before we finish this yeah. podcast um yeah um how, how was your week first of all my week was really really great it was really great yeah um, why well, first of all, um, again, I am a school counselor, so um, I don't know if I've mentioned this, you know, weeks past, but a weeks ago, you know, in the beginning of the school year, I was super stressed, a lot going on, and everything has kind of calmed down, and I just, um, I realize how much the teachers are going through, because they're teaching um, students that are there and students that are virtual, and I'm just, I just feel so blessed that I, um, I don't have to teach yeah you know so if you're a teacher out there god bless you you know um yeah he's yeah you guys are awesome (laughs) Uh, i know it's a it's a hard time it's hard i sometimes you know when i'm able to on fridays uh since i'm home i'm able to sometimes uh listen in on some of jaberlin's um classes and at least this week, uh, you know, they were kind of having a hard time because it was September 11th, and you know, um, I feel like a lot of them were touching on the subject and kind of going back on it, and especially if it was a class that had to do with society, right? You know, something like a civics class or something like that, and uh, you know. Uh, the teachers I was hearing them they were very emotional and I don't blame them you know because it was an emotional time for the entire world more specifically the United States and even more specifically New York City so um, I've also seen a lot of people kind of reference that uh, date September 11th as or, or that time period as saying if only today the world could act or be in a state where it was on September 12th of 2001 wow you know where everybody put everything aside religion belief I mean origin whatever put everything aside all their differences and just came together and you know, thinking back on it, 19 years ago, um, it's still, to me, it still feels like it was last week. Um, I mean, if you're old enough to, to to remember, 
you knew what you were doing on September 11th. Yeah. So, you know, um, it's it's a date for me that is very, in a way, very special, uh, very memorable for so many reasons, both good and bad. And, you know, it, it marked a lot of this generation. So, um, so yeah, so I, I always like to take some time and just think about that, you know, where I was, what I was doing and all of that. Where were you? What were you doing? <laughs> uh, I was, um, I was on the rifle range. I was already in the Marine Corps and I was on the rifle range and, um, you know, qualifying because in the Marine Corps, every six months to a year, you have to qualify, every, you know, with your rifle, make sure that you can hit your targets. And um, I was there and, you know, somebody mentioned, oh, a plane just hit the Twin Towers. And we just all like, haha, yeah, OK, whatever. You know, uh, we kept shooting. We kept, uh, you know, um, going through the whole process of the range and qualifying. And then a couple minutes later, they're like, no, a second plane hit. And we're like, nah, like, all right, like you're taking this joke a little bit too far. Let's just keep shooting. Let's not, you know, that's not funny, really, you know. And then, um, and then they they just called a ceasefire, and uh, they said, all right, everybody, um, report back to your units and stand by for further instruction. Uh, America is under attack. Well. And, you know, 2001, I was, what, uh, how old was I? 2001, I was 19 years old at the time. And um, it was scary. You know, I was scared for my family because in that moment, I started calling home. I couldn't reach my girlfriend. I couldn't reach my family. I couldn't reach anybody and it really sucked and you know I had family that worked in the city that I couldn't reach either and and my mind was racing and I'm sitting there and I'm watching the news as we all were watching the towers fall and you know it was for me it was hard because I grew up in New York and so as a New Yorker you know, most people know that we are proud people. New Yorkers are proud, and a lot of our identity comes from the city where we, you know, where we were raised, New York City. And so, you know, that was like, uh, you know, that was like left a big, big hole, I think, in most of us. Um, you know, and I could safely say that for every New Yorker, Everyone knew somebody or was in some way tied to somebody who died in that event. Um, Whether it was that they worked in the buildings or were at the buildings that day for whatever reason. You know, um, funny enough, we have an aunt who used to work in the city. I don't know if you remember this, but... She used to work with her husband at the time and they they were they ran they worked for a courier service so they picked up stuff they dropped stuff off all over the city um and I, you know i used to work summers with her husband 
and it was it was a pretty great job uh you know going into all these corporate buildings and on the route one of the routes was the twin towers that was one of their daily stops and for some reason that day they were late or got stuck in traffic or something but when the towers got hit they were not anywhere near where they were supposed to be so you know that for me that was pretty cool because you know uh god saved them from that um but yeah that's um you know that's that's that was my day i thought uh our grandfather was also in the city somewhere and we, we couldn't reach him we didn't know where he was i don't remember I was, uh, I was, thank you for asking, I was in fifth grade. Where were you? Right. Um, <laughs> I was in fifth grade. I remember specifically that, uh, I, I feel like we had, no, it wasn't lunch because it was in the morning. We had just, uh, come in from somewhere. Um, we were lined up and then our teacher says at the door, she says, I, I have some news to tell you. Um, we're all going to go to to the back because that's where our carpet was, where she would read us stories or something like that. Um, she's, and she said, I remember she said, um, and on your way back, um, you might want to grab some tissues. Uh, I just remember she said that. And then um, and then she tells us what happened. You know, they, you know, the planes went into the World Trade Center. And me being in fifth grade, uh, interesting enough, I didn't know what the World Trade Center was. <laughs> in New York... You know, Wait, you you hadn't done the trip? I had, had I you not done the trip. I never went to the because, World Trade Center because that was that was like a a trip that if you went through school in New York, at some point in time, you were taking a trip, and I believe for me it was in elementary school. You were taking a trip to the World Trade Center at some point. Yeah, so it might have you know been in the works at some point, but at that point I didn't know about it, and so. Um, yeah, I don't know what it what it was, but I remember that day Papa Bear picked me up, which he never does. But he got out of work early and he picked me up from school because you know the world was in chaos. Everybody was freaking out. We didn't know what was going on. Yeah. So he picked me up, um, and then I remember going home and watching it on TV, and it was just crazy. And I think it's like looking back now, it's the first you know being in fifth grade. I think that was the first time I saw of how guess how much evil there could be yeah. you know that something like that could happen um but yeah like you said everyone who who you know was alive during that time remembers specifically where they were and what was going on i know mama bear she told us that she was um at her job she was in the 13th floor and she saw i think she saw the smoke of it or something like that because she could see the twin towers from where she worked she was at her job. What was she doing? She was on the on the patio or on the ter- what is that called? Oh, that's right. I forgot that the lady had moved. I'm thinking that's not Whitestone. It's just the house. But they, they have moved. They left. Okay. So just for context, our mom used to take care of this lady, uh, Miss Kiki, and um they, it, it was in Whitestone. Their house was in Whitestone. It was a big house. I remember it. Wish I could live there because uh, it was so nice, in my opinion. And um, and then you know, as she got older, and her husband passed, and you know, her kids 
got sick. You know, surprisingly, she outlived, I think, both of her kids, didn't she? Or two of her kids, right? Uh, Joe and Ralph, didn't she outlive both of them? No, Joe passed after. After? Okay. I thought. Okay. Well, either way, she lived till she was about, what, 98 or something like that? Yeah. Um, and she was a wonderful lady. Um, you're giving, I think you're giving too much context. <laughs> I am, I am, but uh, that's how I am. I give a lot yeah. of detail. Um, and so anyways, she... Used, her favorite color was blue. <laughs> I don't know what her favorite color was, but I can tell you this. I'm wearing her chain. Really? That's yeah. her chain? This was her chain. Um, she gave it to Mama Bear. And then, she, you know, Mama Bear um, gave it to me after I forcefully asked for it. Uh, I think, I don't know. I don't remember, but I, I got it. And uh, anyways, they ended up moving to a building and it was on a high, it was a high rise building somewhere in Bayside. Yep. Yeah, I remember that now. Okay. So she, she so saw she was on there. the terrace of the 13th floor. Yeah. Terrace or balcony? Balcony. Okay. Yeah. Terrace is like on the top, the rooftop. Okay. Well, the balcony. Anyways, so yeah, that's what I remember. And yeah. it's just like we, we go through every year, you know, you spend some time um, remembering that. And it's just, it was a heavy day. It was. It you was. Know, um, fire Firemen and policemen going back to try to dig other people out. I saw this post that, was so, that, that I thought was huge. It, it was talking about um, how on that specific day, know during that time there were people that for whatever reason they were caught in traffic or they spilled something on their clothes so they couldn't make it or or um you know this or that like a bunch of things happened for that for whatever reason they couldn't make it there and that saved them from what happened and um and, and basically the post was reminding us that sometimes we get so frustrated when we're for whatever reason we're late for work or when we're late for yes. this and we're late yes. for that and sometimes we don't realize that that often or, or maybe every one of those times God is uh, so sovereign that he's protecting us from something. Yeah, yeah. And uh, like I've mentioned in the past, we don't see the bigger picture of what's going on, but he is, uh, you know, he does. Yes, he does. He has the whole picture. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. Um... Yeah, so that, that I guess that was our week, huh? No, I... Or was that, that was, your week? <laughs> that was just that was one day. That was one day of the week. <laughs> um, no, I did want to mention something else. So I... Was it yesterday? I spent some time with uh, our cousin, our prima Carolina. Uh-huh. And we went... Uh, we shopped a little at Oviedo Mall and shops and it was you know Vito Mall doesn't have that many people so it's shout out I, to our cousin I felt it was safer um anyway so it was just so nice uh you know just to be out just to do be able to not be quarantined yeah. but above all it was so nice to, just to spend time with her and man she loves Jesus so much and yeah. it's just to spend some time with with her and and talk about Jesus and hear what she had to say about Jesus. I'm like, oh man, I say? love what this. Say? What did she say? You should have been there. Oh, it's a private conversation. No, we we said a, you know a lot was said. Um, but it's at, my point is it's just so nice when um, you're talking. You love Jesus and the other person loves Jesus and you're just hanging out and 
and talking about what Jesus has said and what he has done, and it's just, it's just great. It's just amazing. It's like the best time ever, because honestly, I, like, you know me, I'm a, I'm typically a quiet person. Yeah. I'm more of a listener, um, but when it comes to a conversation about Jesus, yeah. like, let's, let's talk for hours. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, what has he said to you? What has he said to me? Let's yeah. just, oh man, it's just so, so good. Um, and, and yeah. Yeah, I feel the same way. Um, I, l- I like those conversations because I think sometimes in those conversations, uh, God uses those opportunities to sprinkle a little bit more of that awesomeness yeah. that he is. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, so I'm hoping I can spend more time with her. I love you, Prima. Um, yeah, <laughs> shout out to you. Yeah. Um, what else? Oh, how was your week? That was my week, that was a little uh, bit was of your my week. week. Um, my week was my week was good. Um, let me see. Uh, I I maybe had had a little bit of a challenge at the end of the week. Right. Um, that I won't get into, but you know, I I feel like again, uh, you know, it's like Scripture says, you know, God works everything, right? According to His will. <laughs> no, that's not what I was gonna say, but but yes, but yes. <laughs> um, I mean, overall, yes, yeah. but He works He works everything for in our favor, you know, everything, regardless, even if it's something that we feel is negative, it's always in our favor. And so, you know, I feel like, you know, what I was going through at the end of the week, it just maybe it it was to teach me a few things about maybe patience and, uh, you know, understanding and uh, almost like humbling myself too to, to understand and remember that I'm not perfect. I make mistakes also. And at the same time, you know, the world is broken and there are certain things that as Christians, uh, we are called to, to go through, you know, in suffering and, you know, um, people not listening or turning their backs on, on, on God or, um, you know, making fun of you. I'm not saying this is what happened, but I'm just giving examples, you know, or, or creating, um, you know, tension or uncomfortable spaces where, you know, I feel like God allows, you know, the enemy to kind of, you know, interfere a little bit um, to kind of mold us into and keep us in alignment with with God because he I feel like he always wants to remind us hey you can't do this on your own mm. you can't it's just that's not so it's not yeah. you're not the one that's going to fix this issue yeah. you know the reason that it, there is this issue is because you thought you could handle it right you know because you thought that you could you know now that maybe you're you're reading the bible now that you feel closer to me you feel a sense of empowerment that may maybe make gives you a false sense of entitlement or um, boldness to kind of step over certain lines that you shouldn't be stepping over. And so, 
you know, I would say that that's probably what I've learned this week. Um, even though, again, I feel like in general, our intentions are always good as Christians. You know, there's also the flesh, right? Jesus said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. weak. The flesh so, is weak. So weak. And so the flesh is, man, that's what the enemy uses to, you know, to trip us up. And, you know, and unfortunately, he's successful a lot of the times. Um, but also, I feel like we need to understand that we're, we're uh, you know, we're not perfect. We're also defective because of our flesh, because of sin. And the hope in that is that Jesus will come one day, will restore us, you know, our will give us a new body and you know where we won't have to worry about that because he's gonna defeat sin once and for all sin will be done with i'm so excited about that listen so um i we were in the bible study for thursday we were talking about uh one of the churches and it says that when um that he's gonna give us a white stone and that on the stone is gonna have our new name that nobody else knows. Isn't that cool? It's like, oh my, literally, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How awesome is that? And I just, uh, just what I was talking with uh, Carolina about it. I'm like, what? You know, we wonder what what those names will be, and I'm yeah. sure it's something that none of I, us have ever heard before. I can't even imagine what my my name will be. I just, uh, it, it has to be cool, obviously. Right. Um, <laughs> Something that no, glorifies no, God yeah. above all. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's exactly that's exactly what I was getting to. Thank you. Uh, no, um, no, I, I say that jokingly, but really, I think about it, and it just gets gets me so excited because that shows how personal God is with us, right? That He's already has a name set for us that He will give us, and I mean, that nobody else will know. I mean, that's crazy because that makes it so unique to me and so personal. And it it lets me know that God took the time to legit think about me. Yeah. Because as, as humans, we're... <laughs> we're not very creative, but we run out of yeah. names when we're, when we're well, naming our well, children. <laughs> names, names are also important, right? Because they're a big part of what makes our identity yeah right for for our new daughter braylon uh you know we were having a hard time we narrowed it down from when we first found out that we were pregnant we already had narrowed down like two or three names and the whole nine months or eight months or whatever uh we were pretty much like back and forth between these names and we're like how about this one no how about this one? And we didn't want to tell anybody the name because we didn't want anybody once, especially once we decided on the name, mm-hmm. we didn't want to tell anybody because we didn't want anybody to influence how we felt about the name because we understand that the name is so important. Um, and once we decided that she was going to be Braylon, we're like, that's it. That's her. And in private, we would just refer to the baby as Braylon. And um, 
again, it's an important part of who we are. And I think that yeah. that, you know, how much more perfect, right, is it going to be for the name that's waiting for us? Yeah, and we see a small shadow of it in the Bible because we see uh, uh, Cephas, right? Um, we see Cephas, uh, one of the disciples, and then... Who is Peter? I was going to get to oh, it. Oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> you ruined it. Uh, please you uh, ruined please it. strike that from the record. All right. <laughs> rewind. So there's this guy. He's, his name is Cephas. <laughs> and anyway, Jesus comes and he's like, you're going to be my disciples. You're going to be, you will no longer be, you know, uh, what you are basically. And he's like, your name is now Peter. Um, and on this rock, because that's what Peter means. And on this rock, I will build my church. So so we see that in, you know, Abraham, Abraham he changes to Abraham. And, and we see that in a lot of people. Jacob, he changes to Israel. Oh, man. Um, and it's just because when we come to know God, we, we become this new creation. Yeah. And so um, it's just we see a shadow of that. And, and I'm just excited to, to find out what that name is. And I'm just excited for heaven. Um, I am too. I'm excited. I'm really excited. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more about that, I think. Right? After our break. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back. All right, welcome back to Angie Ann Stevens Podcast. Cross Alone, Cross Alone Podcast. All right, we are back. We might have to like officially record that and then have it as a set, maybe I intro think, piece or I outro piece. I think it's better this way because it's, it's, it's live. It's live, right? <laughs> it's live for us, but it's still recording for them, so I don't yeah. think it's relevant. Um. All right, so we're back from the break, and we're going to jump into a fun, exciting, wonderful, beautiful um, story, and also, I guess, reconfirmation of our eschatology, right? Right. Eschatology with an H. I found out there's an H in eschatology. Yes, yes. And eschatology is? It is the study of end times. Yes. Our end of the world or um, whatever you want to call yes. it. If you've heard us for a while, you know that we love talking. <laughs> we, we love, love talking, talking about, about the end yeah. times. Well, I, I think, again, it's, it's, it brings the gospel and everything, again, it, it completes the circle, so to speak, right? Mm-hmm. It completes the circle because when you look at the Bible, you know that from the beginning of time, you know, God had a purpose for us where we, you know, through time kept failing, kept breaking the promise, kept kind of breaking that connection. And and God, you know, always figured out a way to, uh, you know, I guess, reestablish that connection. Right. Mm-hmm. And. Um, ultimately, the entire, you know, reading through the entire Bible, you learn that the main theme of it all is 
redemption is salvation. Yes. It, that that is the overall, um, you know, uh, picture of the Bible that that it paints. Yeah, I've been reading uh um in the Psalms recently, and in the last few chapters, I've realized how much it talks about God's uh the fact that God God's love for us is steadfast, and it is always faithful. Yeah. And I don't know if I've, I've, again, we have so many conversations about Jesus. I forget whether it's in the podcast, outside of the podcast, who it's with. It's just, <laughs> God, is, God is good though, because he's, you know, I, I think we both prayed for more conversations about Jesus and yeah. and he's allowing them to happen. But but it's just so awesome that it, it repeats that God God's love is steadfast and he is faithful. Um, and like you said, Israel, we see Israel always being unfaithful. We see you know, uh, you know, the Gentiles, we see how we've, you know, even in our own lives, a lot of times have been unfaithful, but yeah. God, God's love is steadfast. God is always faithful. So he continues to pursue us in his mercy and in his grace. And he shows us that love. And it's just, it's just so good that, that we can, we can, uh, be loved in such a way by such, by the God of the universe. Yeah. So, so if you're listening and if you've forgotten, God loves you so, so intensely, you don't even understand. Yeah. You don't even understand. The Bible says in the Psalms that as, as high as the heavens are uh, from the earth, so great. So as high as the heavens are from the earth, so great, so great is his love for us. So great is his love for us. And as and as far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. That is just so good. And it just expresses, oh man, how much he just loves you beyond your understanding. And and I know sometimes we feel we feel like we're alone in life. We feel um yeah, we just feel alone and we feel helpless. And and I want you to just to remember that. That the God of the universe who created everything, he loves you. He loves you and he wants you to know it. And he wants you to, um, if, if, you, if you used to know it and you forgot about, about it, that he wants you to re-invite him into your life. And if yes. you've never known him, then he wants you, <laughs> you to know it. And, 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 and just, yeah, if you, if you don't, you're missing out. I, I'm telling you, you're missing out. And, and. Once you accept him into your life, it's it's going to change everything. When you realize that you are so loved by such a great God, I know I'm repeating myself, but it's like sometimes we hear something and we don't understand it until yes. we understand it, you know? Yeah. Uh, the Bible says that sometimes, that, that, that it's like, like the Israel, like Israel, they have a veil over their eyes where mm. they don't see their truth, right? The Pharisees, it's like you, he, he, he would say, you guys are blind, you know? The truth is right in front of you, and you're blind. You can't see it. You, you yeah. I'm, I'm telling you the truth, you know, but you can't hear it. You're like deaf, you know. Um, so I pray, you know, we pray that you would um, open up your heart and your mind and your eyes and your ears to, to, to hear. Yeah. The God of the universe loves you intensely, unlike anyone can ever love you. Sometimes we try to um, look to the world, look to people to satisfy the emptiness in our heart. I don't know if you remember, you, I'm sure you remember times when we were away from Jesus or we, 
you know, we were those bootleg Christians. Yeah. Where it's like you feel that emptiness, right? Yeah. When we are uh, apart from our God, we were created to be with him. When we are apart from the one who loves us, we have that emptiness. Void. Yeah. Yeah, that void. So if you feel that emptiness, know that it's because there is this hole in your heart that is only meant to be filled by the God of the universe. And you will only be filled, you will only be satisfied, you will only know peace and joy and ultimate rest if you accept him in. It's like it's like when you do that, all the puzzle pieces come together in your heart, and it's like your eyes are open and your ears can hear. And and uh, it's not, uh, you know, when, when you, you hear the talk about the rapture, when you hear the talk about Jesus coming back, your, your mind doesn't go to, here they go again. <laughs> They're talking yeah. about the end times. I don't want Jesus to come back, but... But when you accept him into your heart, you're like, oh, man, I cannot wait. It's going to be so good. It is going to be good. And we mentioned last time that it's very easy to, you know, um, to be saved. It's very easy, right? Mm -hmm. Romans not, uh, Romans 10.9 says, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Mm -hmm. All right? Now, but but that's not enough, right? Because it continues. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. So it's not just about, okay, okay, this is, Jesus is starting to make sense here. I think it, it's reasonable for me to believe that this is true. That's not enough. You have to repent and confess that, you know, you can't do this on your own. You can't save yourself. Mm -hmm. Doesn't matter how much good you do. Right. It doesn't matter if you are a Mother Teresa type. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're a Mother Teresa type and you don't confess with your mouth and accept Jesus... It, nothing's it's not going to happen for you right um at the same time on the flip side if you're a hitler type and you have confessed guess what you've you've reached salvation now i know that that is such a hard pill to swallow for some people but that is the reality of it um and you know that's how amazing god is that is how much he loves you that he sent his son, Jesus, to die for those sins, regardless of what they were. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't matter if you if you're a, a lie, if you're a liar, if you consistently lie, whatever that lie may be, or if you are a serial killer, mm -hmm. you in the eyes of God, you are on the same boat. You are both sinning. It doesn't matter. So, um, you know, that's why it's so hard to believe because I think in our humanity, we try to look at, you know, these extreme comparisons, right? And we try to, I guess, make a judgment call mm -hmm. ourselves on, you know, if we were God, you know, I would probably punish the serial killer more severely than the liar. Right. But that's exactly why we're not God because that's how we think. And so God is so much greater than that. 
um, that, uh, you know, I think that that's why a big part of uh, Christianity is faith, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you have to have faith that, that God is, you know, who he is and, you know, he has reasons for doing these things that we can't possibly imagine. So, Amen. yeah. I'm just, uh, I, when you were saying that, I remember the story of, uh, it's not a, I don't like to say story because it sounds made up, <laughs> but I remember um, when Jesus. Well, it's history, right? It's his or, or his story. His story. And by his, it's God's story. Yes. <laughs> Praise the Lord. That's what history is. <laughs> um, anyway, so I remember the story of uh, Barabbas. And um, if you know, when Jesus is, uh, you know, when Israel, when the Jews are saying, you know, crucify, you know, crucify Jesus because he's, he's being blasphemous. He's saying he's, a, he's the son of God. And, um, you know, th- that he's saying crucify him. You know, the, I, th- I want to say it was Pilate. I don't remember uh, who exactly. I, f- I feel like it was Pilate. Um, but he was like, okay, so um, I can give you, you know, I have Barabbas who's actually messed up. Yeah, it was Pilate. Because Pilate sees Jesus first, sends him to Herod, mm-hmm. um, and then Herod sends him back. Yeah, it was a cause, lot of... Because he's, he's Galilean or something. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, this is not my jurisdiction or so, some like, some weird like that. But yeah. Pilate ends up with him. Yeah. So um, he's... Pilate is basically, you know, I can release Barabbas, who's actually done... Who's a serial killer, a murderer. Yeah. A, yeah. The worst. The worst person, you know. Or I can give you Jesus who has done nothing wrong. He's just saying that he's God, you know. Yeah. So so which one do you want? And I'm sure Pilate in his mind, he's like, obviously, they're going to want us to release uh, Jesus. Jesus, because yeah. he has done nothing wrong, right? You know, because I asked him what the truth was, walked away from him <laughs> and found no fault in him. Oh, man. <laughs> um, And then... Surprisingly, the Jews are like, release, release Barabbas, release the murderer, release the one who's messed up. And and I remember listening to this. I remember being younger and I feel like I would read that story and I didn't understand what it was about. And then I heard this preaching and it just blew my mind because uh, yeah. there, I'm sure you've heard of it. There's a YouTube video about it and it's just so powerful. Maybe. If, not, if not, I'm going to show it to you after this. Um Anyways, there's this pastor who's talking about the story of Barabbas, and he's saying the same thing. He's like, I was reading this, and I'm like, God, what does this mean? What is the point of this, of this story in, you know, um, in, you know, salvation and all that? And he's like, we're Barabbas. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, 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 man. <laughs> I think my, my brain exploded. Yeah, I'm mine like, did we, too. We are Barabbas, where we are the one who is messed up. We're messed up so royally where we cannot... You know, we cannot, we cannot free ourselves. We cannot free ourselves. We cannot fix it. And and Jesus says, I'm going to take your place. You have messed up so much. I am going to take your place and I'm going to take the punishment that you rightly deserve. Mm-hmm. And me being the son of God, I'm going to take that place and I'm going to take the punishment um, so that you may have salvation. So you that so that you may have grace, which grace is you receive the free gift of salvation and that you may have mercy, which is you you you're free from punishment. You're not you're not going to get the punishment that you deserve. And I'm like, oh, God is so Amazing. so great that he <laughs> yeah. that he does that. A- interestingly what? enough, you know, um, Barabbas would 
would have pr- most likely been crucified mm-hmm. had Jesus not taken his place. Yeah. That is crazy powerful. And I felt the same way. Um, maybe, maybe I watched the same thing um, because I do recall. I, I mean, I feel like you were stealing my memories uh, as you were expressing them. Right. Um, I had the same exact thought and I was mind blown. I was like, like I got goosebumps mm-hmm. and I was like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I can't believe I missed that. Yeah. I mean, how many times have we read that story? Right. And that's, that's how great God is. Yeah. But yeah, again, guys, you're Barabbas. Jesus took your place. Again, God loves you so much because easily I think I'm like easily God could have been like, you know what? Leave them. Yeah. Let them all be damned. Yeah. Leave them. And now- he, he doesn't need us. He absolutely doesn't. He didn't need to create. It's not like God was bored one day. He's like, I'm going to create these people um, knowing, you know, and they're going to mess up. And I'm, you know, he, he oh, didn't yeah. need us. You know, he's a Trinity. He is in perfect community all by himself. He's, he's, fine. <laughs> he's God, Yeah. you know, uh, but in his love, he's like, you know, I'm going to die for their sins. Yeah. It's pretty, just, it's a pretty amazing story. Um, if you don't know the story of Jesus, um, I would say start at John. That's a good place to start, right? With the Gospels, would you say? Would you agree? I I mean, all the Gospels are good. I really like Luke. Yeah. Um, but I think because uh, Luke kind of looks at, he's a, I want to say he's a historian. So he kind of looks also at. Also a physician he, too. He, yeah. And he looks at everything and he kind of brings it together. And there's. Um, a lot of in Luke that you don't find in some of the, I feel like you don't find in the other gospels and that just, there's a way that he describes everything. But I think, yeah, they're all, they're all amazing. John, I mean, John, I feel like is kind of conceited because he's like, he's, he's like the loved one of Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, but you know what? That's a great way to look at it. (laughs) I want to walk around knowing that I am the loved one of Jesus. And if I walk around like that, man, that changes everything. Cause it's like, what? What does what does anything matter? Yeah. <laughs> anything else? It doesn't matter cuz I am yeah. the loved one of Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. I I was asked this question not too long ago and uh, I was asked, you know, don't you care about your family? Don't you care about your your daughters and this and that? I said, honestly, I care about salvation and having a relationship with God. Everything else after that I mean, it sounds harsh to say it. it's irrelevant, but the only reason I would say that is because I know that because I have that connection with Christ, everything else is going to fall into place, mm-hmm. you know, but that's the most important thing. Because if I start putting my family first before God, or I put anything before God, I, I already have a rocky foundation and not rocky like solid. I mean, rocky like shaky. Yeah. So... Um, it, it's important. It's important that we make God that priority, that we make Jesus that priority. And if you don't know him, that's how you know him through the gospel, through Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Yeah. start however you want, but (laughs) just start. Yeah. And I don't know if we've mentioned this before, but there's just so, and so much (laughs) like if we look at, uh, just all of the Old Testament. 
I don't know. I, I know it's easy as a Christian to just look at the New Testament because it's often easier to read, and sometimes we don't look at the Old Testament, but the Old Testament is all about Jesus, and it's just so, so good, and it just it ties everything together. And, and we've said this before. We have to look at the Bible as a whole, but when we look at the Old Testament, we see Moses, um, he goes up to the, to, to the mountain, and God gives him the Ten Commandments, and he takes a little long. So when he gets back, uh, what does Israel? What has Israel done at that at that point? They've made idol. They've made a you know a cow idol, right? Yeah. Um, and even Aaron, who was in charge of them, he, you know, he he was doing that as well. He was idolizing, um, you know, the same the same god, you know, the same uh, cow. Anyways. But we see this all through Israel. And it's just so interesting because we see that God blesses Israel and, you know, they're good for a bit. And then they fall into idolatry. God blesses them and then they fall into idolatry. And sometimes we look at Israel and we're like, Israel, what the heck are you doing? Like God is blessing you so much and, and, and you're idolizing these other gods. And we kind of we try to detach ourselves from from that. But honestly, we do that. I want to. S- <laughs> I want to say we in America, but we all over the world, we do that all the time where we idolize other things and, and we and we detach ourselves because I think we think, okay, I have I've never made an image of something else and worshiped it, worshiped it, right? I've never I've never, you know, you know, put up uh gold into a cow and, and said, you know, pray to that or anything like that. But we our idolatry is different in that we like you said, we we put other things before God. So we, I, you know, I think the Bible talks about us idolizing money. You know how much we idolize money, especially in America, <laughs> all over the world, but especially in America. We idolize our jobs. We idolize our families. And, and like you said, it's our relationships. We, uh, we idolize our relationships so much. Um, to the point where I think sometimes we let those things define us. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So much so that whenever we lose that, because here's the thing about all these things: at some point we lose them. Whether they all it's, perish. Yeah, they're they're all perishable things. So, uh, so that when we lose them, it destroys us because we have created an idol of that thing. And and the thing with that is, we none of those things can satisfy us. And we can argue and say, no, I haven't made an idol of that, but. If you are spe- if, if you are spending more time with that thing or that person and you've spent no time with God, then that's idolatry. If yeah. you are on, you know, we talk about how we go through roller coasters where we see, you know, yeah. seek God and we don't seek God. Those days when you don't seek God, like think about your day. Because I know sometimes we argue about how we're busy and that's why, why we didn't seek God. But think about your day when you didn't seek God. Where you, did you have time to look at your phone for half an hour for an hour five minutes and you five minutes and you didn't spend time with god think about netflix did you did you look at netflix and and you didn't have any time time to spend with god on on your way home you you listened to a podcast about whatever it was and and you about game of thrones and you (laughs) and you didn't have time to spend with and and again i i i'm not i i don't want to sound judgy because i've done this too where you know, looking back, I'm like, there's so many times where where I made an excuse, and when I and I said, you know what, I can seek God tomorrow. I'll I'll do better uh, the next day. And I feel like even this weekend, I didn't talk about this, but even this weekend, I I felt my flesh say, 
Angie, you can spend more time with him tomorrow. You know, you can do this later. And I'm like, no, I have to, <laughs> I have to pursue. That's my flesh talking. So it's like, what, what do we do with that? You know, because if we are spending more time with these other things, even if in themselves they are good things, then we are idolizing that thing. If we have not spent time with God. And it will eventually destroy us because like you said, if I was to put my family first and say, no, my wife and my daughters, they are absolutely everything to me above everything, above God. What happens if they die in a car accident? Yeah. Then I will be completely broken. I will be in a place where nothing I will feel, at least, I yeah. will feel like nothing could get me out of that that hole, that void, because now my family is gone. Yeah, and that's not to say that if you lose someone and you're sad, well, you it's because you've put them first. No, <laughs> that's, I mean, we're going to feel sad because we love them, but if you have God, then he will take you through it. And if you've led your family well in putting him first, and you're, you're going to be like, you know what? Uh, you know, I'm sad God God will take me through this, um, but one day I'm going to see them again in heaven. We're going to yeah. party together with Jesus, and, and it's going to be great. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's be just. Yeah, because a lot of people, too, when those kinds of things happen, I feel like we get into this depression, which is very dangerous, because if you feel like you have no hope, a.k.a. you're not, you don't have Jesus, you don't know Jesus, because he is hope, then you feel like your life is not worth living. Right. And that takes you down a whole nother path. Yeah, and, and I think it, it also goes into when we put our identity into these other idols, we also put our purpose into them. So yes. not just our hope, but our purpose. So, so uh, going back into this example of the family, if my purpose is to be a mother and I lose my children, then if I lose, then, then I've lost my purpose. But if my purpose is to live for God and God is eternal, no matter what I lose, then I'm always going to have that purpose. I'm always going to yep. have that hope. Nothing, nothing can, can destroy me. Yeah. And there's a lot of stories. If you start looking into some of the Holocaust survivors, those who held on to the hope of God, they, they made it out mentally mm -hmm. okay on the other side, you know, because I, like you said, you know, it, when you lose that hope, you, you're, you're done. You're, you're defeated. Mm -hmm. You're defeated. And you're not going to do anything to try and dig yourself out of there. Again, even if you did, you have to understand you can't dig yourself out, mm -hmm. but you have to depend on God to get you out of there. Yeah. And so we're going to be fail to see that if we let ourselves fall into that. So it's important to always be in prayer Put God first, God first above all. Everything else, and I, again, I know, I, I, the, the person I had this conversation with said that that, that just sounded cruel. Mm -hmm. And I said, it's not, it's not cruel because I, if, I, if I, like I said, if I put my family first, then I've lost my salvation. What's mm -hmm. the point? I'm right. not going to see them. I'm not going to be with them in eternity. Mm -hmm. You know, and so... That's why the priority has to be that it has to be the salvation and your and your uh, relationship with God. Yeah, and I think uh, again, I don't know if we've mentioned this before, but I feel like if God brings it up, it's for a reason. <laughs> I think that's why God, in His sovereignty, says 
you know, in this order, the two greatest commandments are love God with all your heart, all your soul, and all, all your, your mind. It says yes. that first. And then it says, and then love others as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. Yes. So, so you cannot love, uh, like, uh, like you said, I cannot love my family well yeah. unless I love God first. I can't exactly. do, not, not, not only do none of these other things matter if I don't have put God first, but I'm not going to be able do, to do anything else effectively unless I put God first. Yeah. I cannot be a loving wife, you know, as God intended me to be. Unless I put God first, I cannot be, uh, I cannot do well in my job and, you know, love others well in my job and be a light in my job unless I put God first. Yes. And uh, yeah. And, and so, again, it's it's important because if you, you know, the God of the universe is we've said it before. He is an intentional. He's intentional. And so everything he does is has such great mathematical accuracy as well, right? And that's why he says the first one, right? Mm -hmm. Love God with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul and all your strength, right? And then you love your neighbor because, like you said, if you try to do that backwards, we that I think that's why a lot of people say, well, I, I'm a good person. I'll be in heaven because I'm a good person, you know? I don't wish anybody harm i feed the poor i do this i do that um and again we're falling into works again but you know it, it that's that's not how it works there's an order to things and unless you have god first nothing else yeah. matters because and that is the foundation and also to that mentality of you know i'm a good person i do this i, I do that and i think that goes into comparing ourselves to other people right i'm yeah. i'm a good person because you know i'm not hitler I'm a good person because I haven't killed anybody. I'm a good person because I'm feeding the poor. But the Bible doesn't say um, be holy as my neighbor is holy. Is God says be holy as he is holy. So if you're going to compare yourself, you have to compare yourself to eternal God that is perfect, right? You have to com compare yourself to the perfect law that he gave us, the commandments. And in, and in doing that, you're going to fall short. And exactly. that's why we need Jesus to come in and take the wheel. Exactly. All right. So you want to <laughs> talk about the, the our actual topic? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Let's do that. Yeah. So we learned, uh, we, we just saw a video. You want to yeah. talk about it? Yeah. We saw a video. Um, we recommend it, absolutely recommend it to everybody, right? This has a lot to do with eschatology, the study of the end times, you know, something that my sister and I are very passionate about. Uh, of of whom we found out that we're like what ten percent of <laughs> we're we're ten percenters. Yeah, uh, we fall under ten percent. Ten percent of people who who like to talk about it because there's uh, a lot of I guess it looks like there's a lot of Christians that don't like to talk about the end times. Yeah, yeah, and um, also there is a high percentage of Christians who don't believe in the rapture. Apparently, right, eighty five percent. And so we found this out on this documentary. It's called Before the Wrath. It is amazing, like I said earlier. It's beautiful. I love it. <laughs> Gives me goosebumps. I think I'm going to buy it. I wish there was like we, we had footage of us watching the video. Because yeah, we just reactions. look at each other. We'd hear something. We'd look at each other. Yeah. And we just and have it was big like, smiles. <laughs> yeah. It was like a mental high five or <laughs> yeah, something, right? Yeah. Um, it is amazing if you haven't watched it. I mean, this really... Uh, 
you know, gives you perspective on what the return of Jesus will be like. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, everything. And it's comparing it to a, uh, a Jewish wedding and more specifically a Galilean wedding, right? Yeah. Which, you know, Jesus was, was born in Galilee uh, or, or what Jesus was Galilean. Mm-hmm. Um, the disciples were Galilean. And so um, we learned that, you know, of course, you know, when you look at the Bible and you're reading it, you have to also understand the context of what's being said, right? What Jesus says, what the, you know, the disciples say and all the other um, authors of the Bible say and the context that they're saying it, right? Because it's important, right? Uh, we had, I think, uh, J.D., uh, Pastor J.D. Farag, uh, who said that if you take away, you know, the context of it, meaning who specifically, at least in, in, in this, as you know, and what we're talking about, Jesus' return, if we take out the importance of him being where he was from, you know, from Galilee, and talking to other uh, people who were from Galilee, if you take that out, it kind of takes away the meaning from what the gospel truly is. Right. And in addition to that... <laughs> I think it was him or someone else that he said that um, the gospel is about the life, death, and resurrection. Um, but and and that's I think that's what we we always say as Christians. That's what the gospel is. But yeah. he added to that and he said it's about the life, death, resurrection, and the return of Jesus. And yes. he said that if you take away the return of Jesus, then you you basically do the same thing like you just said. Yeah. You gut out that part and. You, you miss the point of the gospel. Yeah. You know, the point of the gospel is not just that he resurrected, you know, um, and he died for our sins and he has forgiven us, but that he left and he is going to come back one day for his church to take us home. You know, and, and, and like we said, 85% of Christians don't like to talk about this. Don't believe in the rapture. Don't believe right? in the rapture. And, and it's just, it's so important to talk about because that's mind blowing to me. It's like that's the point. The fact that Jesus is going to come back and take us home. That's the point because I think I think the reason there is that uh, non belief, right? There is that doubt about it that the rapture exists is because we there's a thought that life is only about this life. Yeah, life is from when I was born until I die, and that's it. But that's that's not it. It's it's an eternal life, right? Yeah. The Bible says that, uh, uh, you know, eternal life was is, is when you accept the Father and, and you accept Jesus Christ, right? It's not just this future heavenly thing. It's once you accept him, right? And after you die, the first death, you're not dead. You yes. Know? There's, Amen. There's this, a, there's, there's this an eternity that's awaiting you. And uh, Pastor Francis Chan does a really good job of expressing the importance of that, right? He did an illustration where he took a rope, I'm sure you've seen it, where he takes a really long rope, I don't know, 30 plus feet long, Mm -hmm. and he only, he colors a tip of it red, right? And it's, the tip is maybe about four inches that he colors red. And he says, this, you know, if, if this rope was to go on forever, this would be eternity, right? And this little red portion at the beginning of the rope, that's our life. Mm-hmm. And the, the mistake that we make, believers, non-believers, whatever, is that we live our life 
trying to make like like we're living just for that little piece of red portion which is our life mm -hmm. like all our effort is going into that and really the way that sh we should be living is in an effort to get to the eternal part mm -hmm. we should be living for our eternal uh life and so if we choose to to live that way you know for our eternal life um then then our life is going to be completely different than the way we live in now because right. now we understand the importance of that the bigger picture the bigger picture is not this little blip or this little blink of you know what would what what for God would be a blink of an eye is just our lifetime. It would be eternal. And so I just, man, it is, it is so important, so important to, to think about that and live for that because it, 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 when, you know, when it happens, when the rapture happens, when the church is, is caught up and when we are gone, mm. people are going to remember and say, man, you know what? I heard so-and-so say this. I heard Angie Ann Stevens' podcast. And they were saying that Christ alone. Christ alone is going to come. Is going to come. And Christ alone is the answer. You know, nothing else is the answer. Christ alone. And it's sad because there's going to be so many people where you're, they're going to be in that situation. And they're, and they're going to... They're going to go, they're going to reach for the Bible and start reading at that time. And fortunately, they, they'll still have an opportunity to be saved. Unfortunately, it won't be graceful yeah. the way we are saved. I mean, it's going to be tribulations. Yeah. So in the word itself, you know that it's going to be very hard times. Yeah. And scripture says that you're, you know, potentially going to have to die, mm -hmm. you know, uh, and, and we won't get into the details of that. Right. But man, I definitely do not want to be here. You know, I had a conversation with my daughter last night and it was, you know, eschatology talk and Hey, look, this is important. I know that, you know, you believe in, in Jesus and you've accepted him. And, you know, I want you to understand this is the importance of it. And it's funny enough that you bring that up, that we watched that. We watched that. It's so funny. We watched that, which, by the way, the preaching was on that today, too. Part of it. Um, and pastor, I don't know if you'll listen to this, but we love you. You're a great pastor. <laughs> yes. Thanks for preaching the truth. <laughs> yes. Amen. So so I'm talking to her and I'm saying, listen, you know, I know that I know we've talked about the life of Jesus. I know that we talked about his death. I know we talked about his resurrection. But here's why all of that is important, right? Mm -hmm. Because one day he's going to come. I know you I know you know that he's going to come. But this is why it's important that we don't lose sight of mm -hmm. the gospel, of the importance of our salvation. And I went over, you know, showed her a couple of videos, uh some of the cartoony ones to make it more kid-friendly and stuff. And you know, and you know, it, it kind of brought her to tears because at, at one point she's like, I don't want to be here for that. I do not want to be left behind. And, I, you know, I, I then asked her the questions. Do you do you accept that you are a sinner, you know, that you are defective by nature to sin? She said, yes. Do you accept Jesus 
as your Lord and Savior, the only way that you can get to the Father in heaven. Yes. I said, okay, then focus on that. You won't be here then. You'll, you'll, you're, you're, you'll be gone. You'll be gone. You'll be in heaven. You'll be caught up. You'll be raptured. But it's also the reason that I brought that up with her is to also show her the importance of how easily we can become idle and we can become, mm. we can lose focus, right? Um, it's that part of the word. reason, it's part of the reason we get complacent, right? And it's part of the reason why Paul wrote letters to these churches, right? Thessalonians, right? The Thessalonians, he wrote and told them, hey, you, you know, a lot of them had, a lot of them thought that God had already come, that the rapture had already happened or that his second second coming had already happened. And they thought, you know, that they were left behind. Some of them thought that it was about to happen and they were worried about the people who had died. And so Paul writes this letter to them to, to let them know, hey, hey, no. First of all, the time hasn't come yet, right? And he goes into that. But he also goes in and talks to them about their idleness because a lot of them had stopped working. A lot of them, you know, were just there, not being fruitful. And so he's kind of giving them a wake-up call like, hey, you need to, you need to be doing something, right? Mm -hmm. And so in the same way, Jesus gives us this, these examples, you know. The, the, the whole, and we learn through the documentary, right, that when the Bible says that he's going to come like a thief in the night, it's not going to be like a thief in the night for us who believe in him because we're being watchful. We're, we're paying attention to the news. We're paying attention to what's going on around the world. And as, as bad, as bad as everything looks, listen, we have not seen anything yet. Okay? That's number one. Number two, for that worst part that is to come, we won't be here for that. Yeah. So at, at the same time, as bad as everything is, it's also exciting to know that the end is truly near. I know that, you know, uh, our grandfathers and our grandfathers' grandfathers have been talking about Jesus coming forever. I mean, it's been it's been talked about for over two thousand years. Mm -hmm. Jesus coming. Jesus talked about his coming. Mm -hmm. He said he told the disciples, "I'm coming soon." Paul told the churches, <laughs> "He is coming soon." This was two thousand. Yeah. 2,000 plus years ago. God's idea of soon is definitely yes. different than our idea of soon. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, but really and truthfully, um, you know, the end is truly near. I mean, this year alone is mind-blowing to me. You know, when you sit down and look at everything that's happening, the natural disasters, volcanic eruptions, earthquakes everywhere. I mean, the Bible talks about all this stuff. Have we even, have we talked about uh, we haven't talked about it yet. Oh, you know, man. there's a peace treaty that the Bible talks about. Where, actually, the Bible talks about in Daniel, like Daniel almost nine. like almost Daniel 9, 27, 24, 24 to 27 around there talks about it. And it's a it's a dream. It's, it's a dream slash vision where an angel appears to or, or is like an angel appears to Daniel and tells him these are the things that are going to happen. Talks about 70 weeks. We understand, you know, prophetically that that means 490 years. And so, you know, Daniel wrote this about 700 years almost before Jesus, mm -hmm. right? And again, oh my God, please do your research. It's so, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot to get into right now. But 
basically Daniel talks about, or the angel tells Daniel uh, about a covenant that a prince, a prince that is to come will sign a covenant with the people, right? With Israel. Actually, it says with many, right? Mm -hmm. He will confirm. Actually, he says he will confirm a covenant, mm -hmm. right? And that refers back to, that's referencing also Revelation where it says that there will be, and also Matthew 24, mm -hmm. where Jesus says there will be talks of peace and security mm -hmm. and rumors of war and all of that. Thessalonians, actually, the prince, peace and security. True. Mm -hmm. Chapter 2, Second Thessalonians, mm -hmm. chapter 2. Possibly. Sounds right. All right, so so Paul talks about it then, and so, and so the, the you know it, it talks about that, and then it's crazy because you see these things unfolding, right? Treaty, unprecedented peace talks between the Jewish nation and Muslim nations coming together. I mean, pay attention, watch the news on Tuesday. Go ahead. Sorry, uh, just a you know reference. It's First Thessalonians 5, 3, where it says, While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. Exactly. And so, just to clarify, we are in those labor pains right now. Mm -hmm. It's happening. Things are getting worse. Things are happening closer together. I mean, I, it can't. I mean, if you are out there wanting evidence, it's there. Yeah. It's right. It's happening. It's look, yeah. look around you. And so in Daniel 9, when it talks about this prince, it's not talking about Jesus because right before it mentions a prince, it mentions about an anointed one. Yes. The anointed one is Jesus that comes. The prince is referencing um, the Antichrist, which is someone who's going to come. He's going to, um, and at some point, He's going to basically proclaim that he is God. He's going to show wonders yeah. and say, I am the Messiah. And people are going to think, you know, the Jews are probably going to assume. Th assume that he's the Messiah <laughs> that he's crazy. been waiting for. And so when it says uh, he's going to make this treaty with um, with many and it's going to be for a week, um, what that means is it's going to be for seven, seven years. years, you know, and we see that in that. We see a treaty starting with Israel and the United Arab the United, Emirates, yeah, and now Bahrain, who has joined, yeah. Um, it, it's crazy. So what we're gonna see is we're gonna see different nations, different people yes. join to this treaty. But what it also says that in three and a half years, yeah, you know that the Antichrist is gonna break that treaty. Yeah. So so just to give everybody a little bit more context. Um, the, the scripture says that there will, there will be that, that signing where, you know, it'll be for seven years. Um, and to give you guys an idea, there are 22 countries that surround Israel that are, you know, have in essence, uh, uh, promised, uh, have promised or have, uh, I guess you can call it, they, for, for, for the longest time, they, they said there won't be peace with Israel mm -hmm. unless Israel gives up their land. M more importantly, Jerusalem. That's what everyone is after. It's one little piece of dirt. 
they want Jerusalem. And so, you know, for the longest time, um, they, ha they have said that. You know, in 1972, those of you that remember Yasser Arafat, you know, he was this, this uh, he, pretty much leader over there in the uh, um, Palestine region. And he said that he would never sign uh, the treaty with, with Israel unless they gained control or, or Jerusalem was given to them. So, so, you know, for a long time, you know, a, a generation has grown up believing that, you know, Israel is the enemy who you must kill on sight because they have our land and won't give it up. And so, you know, people are looking at this and saying, man, it's impossible. It's impossible. There are so many things that have to happen, right? Um, the Jewish nation wants to be able to rebuild the temple, which is owned by Muslims. And the Muslims want to be able to have Jerusalem, who is owned by the Jewish nation. So on the surface, we're looking at this and we're saying, man, this is impossible. And for that same reason is why it's so important to be watching this news because this is the beginning. This is the beginning of that treaty being signed and then eventually later on being confirmed by the Antichrist, right? So currently there are, there's Jordan, Egypt, and now the United Arab Nations or United Arab Emirates, which is compiled of seven other nations, but so... Technically, there's three nations now that have joined this treaty, and there's a total of 22. What I didn't know before tonight was that Iran is furious, um, Palestine is furious, all these other uh, you know places that surround Israel, they're furious that the United Arab Emirates have agreed to this because they're like, you know, they're like big shots over there, mm -hmm. right? And so, you know, now that they've done this, they're turning against. But what I found out tonight through this documentary is that it's not necessarily the people, you know, that, that are upset. It's the government that is upset. And because they're, surprisingly, Iran and in China is the fastest growing, how do they put it? They said it's, it's the place where the Christian church is growing the fastest in the world mm -hmm. right now, which to me blows my mind because we talked about, you know, at the beginning of our of our podcast in one of these episodes that we had Hong Kong as a new uh, listener to our podcast. And to me, that was that was amazing because I know how strict it is over there for Christianity and all the things that are going on. And it's just amazing. So collectively around the world, all these things are happening that are pointing and leading to all this prophecy that's written in the Bible that is coming to pass. So, you know, the treaty is going to get signed in t on Tuesday on, on the 15th. And, you know, we'll see what happens then. I, I want to say that, you know, you know, based on Scripture, obviously more nations are going to join this treaty. Eventually, I think that in order for the Antichrist to possibly come in and confirm a treaty, I feel like maybe there has to be something major that occurs that prompts or encourages that to happen mm -hmm. uh, and maybe include the many, uh, potentially the rest of the world. I don't know. Um, I just know that everything that Scripture says 
in my eyes, I'm seeing the news and it's, it's happening. It's, it's, everything is, is lining up. Yeah. And a covenant with many, that sounds like a new world order (laughs) (laughs) coming coming about. Yes. Um, so back to this documentary, because I think we got a little bit. Listen, that's the Lord. That's the Lord. (laughs) Um, amen. But so the documentary, um, shows the, um, the correlation with, the coming of Jesus in a Galilean wedding, right? So maybe, maybe, uh, maybe I could talk about the wedding, and you could talk about the references, the, the references, yeah. or whatever. All right. So in in the wedding, in the Galilean wedding, the the bride and the groom, um, they have to. So back in those times, just so everyone understands, back in those times. It wasn't so important like it is now to have people come to the wedding. It was more important to have witnesses for the wedding because having witnesses, the more witnesses you had for the uh, betrothal or the engagement, the more real it became, the more uh, it solidified the agreement. And so the 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 you know the bridegroom and 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 the bride to be would come together at the gate where everyone could you know the whole town could see them and they would read out their proposal they would read out their proposal and in that proposal um the the groom would provide the the bride's father with money which in turn was almost like an insurance policy so that Here's some money, basically. Here's some money in case something happens to your daughter. Here's some money. Mm-hmm. Um, and so do you want me to stop there and then maybe you – or do you want me to keep going? Or just go all the way and then you come back around? Well, I mean, we could break it down there. What? Okay. So, I mean, we see that in in the betrothal. I mean, obviously the the – the bridegroom, we see that that's Jesus. Yes. Right. And the bride is the church. Right. And so we see in the, you know, in them telling their vows, it's basically the new covenant that he wants to make with his church. Right. And so I think that's, and, and, you know, him purchasing, you know, him giving the father the, the, the price for her, you know, kind of shows a foreshadowing of, you know, what yeah. Jesus does for us and praise pays for our price um, to have us. Yeah, and the way that I see, you know, the way that they they read out the the covenant that is getting ready to be made, that probably um, speaks to, you know, the prophets that were talking about the coming of Jesus, mm-hmm. the coming of that uh, bridegroom to, to, to make that commitment. And so... In the in the Galilean wedding, then comes after the bridegroom gives gives the money for the the bride or the life of the bride. Wait, pause, pause. So, um, sorry. So I think also um, that also signifies when we accept Jesus into our lives, right? It's not just Jesus saying this is the new covenant. The bride is also accepting, is saying the covenant along with the bridegroom, and saying, you know, I accept your proposal. Yes. So when, when we're, um, you know, God pursues us in his love 
and it's our, like we've talked about before, it's our decision really to accept yeah. that proposal or to deny that proposal. Yeah. And so that actually, I was about to get into that. Um, so when that happens, then they serve wine. They serve wine in a cup and the, the bridegroom drinks some and then he passes it to the bride. Now, this is crucial, right? Because after they read the, the pact or the covenant that they're getting ready to make, then, you know, the, bri the bridegroom accepts it willingly. Obviously, he wants to marry the girl. And then he passes it to her. But ultimately, the bride has the last word. She has the decision to make. She has the option to decline the proposal by pushing the wine cup back mm -hmm. to him. Or she can accept it by accepting the cup and drinking the wine from the same cup. And so that signifies them going into a communion, into that covenant and her accepting the bridegroom's promise to her. And so once that happens, we see in the wedding, uh, the Galilean wedding uh, tradition that at that point in time, Everyone sees, everyone's happy. There's been an, an announcement. She has accepted his proposal. They have, uh, essentially, they're engaged, right? They're engaged. And now, now it's not over yet. Now he has to go away for at least a year to prepare the house for his bride. Yeah. And so in that time, while yeah. he's away, mm -hmm. she also has to prepare herself yeah. so that when the groom, the bridegroom comes back, she is ready. Right. Well, specifically, um, you know, in this uh, culture, he wasn't preparing a house. He was adding a room to his father's house. Yes. <laughs> That's so good. That's yes. so good. So we see... Um, we see in the Gospels that Jesus tells his disciples, I'm going away, but I'm going to prepare. During the Last Supper, if you know, if you guys want to look into that. He's saying, I'm, I'm going away, but I'm going to prepare a room for you in my Father's house. That's what yes. he literally says. And again, the reason that he's using you know, the, these terms that he's talking to them is so that they wouldn't get it twisted, right? Right. Because... He was Galilean, they were Galilean, and in the, the, the term that he was talking, they would undoubtedly understand what he meant by that. Mm -hmm. so, so yeah, so he goes, the, the bridegroom goes away to prepare a room, essentially an extension to his father's house where him and his bride will uh, eventually live the rest of their days. Um, and so that's amazing. Uh, I, I get excited talking about it because... It is, it is so obvious to me yeah. that, you know, what is getting ready to happen. Anyways. Yeah. And so, but really quick. So you said that um, the, the bridegroom is preparing the house, you know, their extra room. And we know, you know, Jesus, like we said, Jesus is preparing um, a, a place for us in heaven. Yeah. But also, like you said, the bride is preparing herself as well, right? So she's yeah. getting... Uh, with her bridesmaids, she's making sure she has the materials for the dress and everything. But she is not, like you you, you said that word before, the word idol is just so huge because so often um, as Christians we become idol and we 
and we fall asleep. Um, but the whole time while she's waiting, she's just she's she's not idle. She's preparing for her wedding. She's excited. She's at work, and she's just ready for her for her uh for her bridegroom to come to yeah. come back. And it's funny too. Um, not funny, but when she goes to bed, she also has to make sure that there's enough oil in her lamp. Yeah. Oh man. She has to make sure that there's enough oil in her lamp so that there's light. And again, in case the the bridegroom comes back. Exactly. That, and and what time. and what does that represent? So, uh in the Bible we see in the gospels we see uh that Jesus talks about this parable of um I don't remember the number of virgins, but there's there's virgins trying to get into I think it's 10. 10 virgins. They're trying to get into uh, uh, a wedding party. Yeah. And then basically he says um, some of the virgins had enough oil to basically wait for the bridegroom to get back, and some didn't. And the ones who didn't were freaking out because they're like, we don't have enough oil. They were telling the ones that had, you know, give me some of your oil. Um, but they, did, <laughs> they didn't. And then the bridegroom came, and those who had... Uh, overflowing oil you know they were accepted into the party so it's just that reflection of uh of us being basically again like we said us being prepared for when jesus comes because yeah. again a lot of the time we become idle we say oh i can seek god tomorrow i can seek god when i'm older i can do this later let me do my life now as it is but it's like you don't know the day or the hour and like we said before if you are not prepared, if we are not prepared, then he is going to come like a thief in the night. But <laughs> if we are prepared, he's going to come like a bridegroom <laughs> yes. for his bride. Yes, that's pretty, uh, pretty amazing. So, oh, so those who aren't raptured, it's going to feel like a thief in the night because we're going to be gone in the blink or in the twinkling of an eye. And so, uh, yeah, we, and again, going back to the oil the oil also represents the Holy Spirit. So the reason that you get idle is because, or that you remain idle is because you're not allowing the Holy Spirit to fill you. Mm -hmm. The Holy Spirit is that oil that keeps your lamp lit. Yeah. So, and, and just to clarify, this is a different, <laughs> different kind of idol than the idol we were talking about before. Yes, remaining idle. <laughs> remaining, yeah, being Stagnant. idle in this, in this context is, is, is saying you're basically doing nothing. Yeah. So you're you're not being prepared. Exactly. Exactly. And so, you know, in the same way, right? If I mean, look at it this way: that when they announce that a hurricane is coming, what what does Florida do? We we prepare like we prepare. crazy. We go we we go buy out all the water. When they said, you know, there's a pandemic, what did we do? We we bought out all the toilet paper. Yeah. Right. But <laughs> but but here's the here's you know what's awesome. Like, you know, that just reminds me of, so, uh, there's, I feel like there's people, there's hardcore Floridians that already know it's hurricane season. So they are already prepared with the boards. Oh yeah. Like they have, they have something there, you, you know, in two seconds they can put the boards up. They have yep. the extra food. They have the extra drink because they're like, at any point they're going to say that we know the supermarkets are going to be crazy. We know everything is going to run out. So I'm going to be prepared always and that's we sh we shouldn't be like the ones that you know how often we are <laughs> right where we're freaking out when they say hurricane is coming yeah. and that's when we freak out right yeah 
But if you are prepared always, then you are not freaking out. Yeah. And you're like, you know, whatever is coming, I am ready for it. And and just going back, uh, I was going to say this before, but when you were talking about the idleness, um, I just recalled uh, that moment in um, the in Gethsemane, in the Garden of Gethsemane, when yeah. Jesus, you know, he was praying. He's like, you know, take this cup for me, but let your will be done. There's a huge important part in the second half of that where he says, he goes to the disciples, he's like, do not fall asleep so that you may not fall into temptation. And he does this like two or three times. Don't go to sleep so that you do not fall into temptation. Um, and and that reflects back to us falling asleep and, and us being idle. God doesn't want us to be asleep. God doesn't want us to be idle. He wants us to to be ready. Yes. Yeah. And so back to the <laughs> back so, to the marriage. <laughs> yeah. No, no. So so yeah. yeah, so so um it's important, man. It's it's important to to seek the Lord. I mean, I know that so many I mean, again, there's a reason why you're listening to this. And you know, maybe if maybe it makes you feel good for a little bit, but honestly, if you're listening to this, God is calling you. Yeah. You know, in one way or another. Yeah. You know, if, even if you think you're ready, even if you think you're ready for the rapture, God is still calling you in some aspect of your life. I mean, he's still doing that with us, right? Mm -hmm. um, but my point is, we have to be ready. We have to constantly be seeking him and keep our lamps filled, the Holy Spirit. Right. Keep asking God for wisdom and understanding and for the strength to keep going through, you know, through life, essentially, right? Um, going back, though, to the wedding. Right. So, so she, you know, she goes to bed every night, make sure that, that she has her lamp full so that the bridegroom can, can, uh, can find her and get her. And so, um, it, at the same time, the bridegroom is away at his father's house, you know, buying the, 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 the plates, the stuff that they're going to use for the house, maybe, maybe the furniture, mm -hmm. you know, whatever they're, he, he's basically... He's the one in charge of making sure that the waiting happens and that they're set up after that, um, which is kind of opposite of society, right? Mm -hmm. Society, the society that we know where the woman does everything. Yeah. And then the man just wishes that he was never there, but just <laughs> yeah. green, green lights everything. Um, anyways, so he's away, he's building. And even after he's done, even after he's done building the extension to his father's house it's so funny while he's away while preparing while she's preparing nobody knows the day or the hour that the actual wedding will occur yes that is so crazy to me not even the bridegroom knows yes so not even the bridegroom not the bride not the bridesmaids not the community the family nobody nobody knows there's only one person that knows and that is the bridegroom's father mm, that is so, so good <laughs> so how does that uh show in scripture so um we see in the gospels that jesus tells the disciples he says nobody knows <laughs> nobody knows the day or the hour and he says not even i myself not even the son knows the day or More the, the hour of the wedding it only the, he specifically says only the father knows and it's 
Um, it's interesting because uh, in the book that we read, which we'll get to at some point, <laughs> God knows what he's doing. Um, it says, you know, that uh, some people say, well, because Jesus just doesn't know the time or the hour, then that must mean that he's not God. But but that's not it at all. You know, it's just <laughs> we have to talk about the Trinity at some point. Yes, we, do. <laughs> we won't get into it today, but but uh, it's just they're they're all individual. And just it again, it reflects this this wedding, this Galilean wedding that the father, the father knows, but the son yeah. doesn't know. Yeah. So in 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 the Galilean wedding, only the father of the groom knows when. And so um, it. And there is no specific because the whole idea behind it is it's supposed to be a surprise. It's supposed to be a surprise, not just for the people that witness it, but most importantly, for the bride and the groom himself, mm -hmm. right? Because the groom, it shows in the documentary, the groom is ready. Mm -hmm. He's done. He's 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 done preparing the, the yeah. place in his father's house. He's He's got the food is done. Like everything's ready. Everything's ready to go, and he keeps looking to the father like, is it time? Is it time? And the father doesn't say anything. Yeah. He's just sitting there. And then at one point in time, the, in the you know in the preparation for this wedding, which could, like we said, could potentially take at least a year, at least a year. Mm -hmm. So in a year, you know, it's easy for people to get complacent and say, man... When is that guy coming? <laughs> is he even is coming? Is he even coming? I, it's, it's been a year already. Right. I mean, usually it takes a year, but it's been a year or it's been a year and a half. What's going on? And so it, it's funny that it happens that way. So eventually, eventually, the father, I'm going to use these words on purpose. Eventually, the groom, the groom's father, the father will eventually go up to the son and say, hey, hey, it's time. Go get your bride. Mm -hmm. Go get your bride. And they show the groom getting up, right, all excited because this he's been waiting for this. He's been prepared and has just been waiting for the green light. And finally, the father tells the son, go. Mm -hmm. Go get her. And so he goes and he grabs his... What's it called? The Shafar or Shafar? It's pronounced Shafar. It's pronounced groomsman. No. <laughs> <laughs> Is it Shafar or Shafar? I don't know. I don't, don't, know. Don't, look, don't look it up. All don't right. look it up. Well, anyways, I think it's Shafar. It's, okay. It, it's it's a trumpet. All right. It's a it's a uh, trumpet made of bone, and so um, you know he takes this trumpet and he's blowing it all the way to his to his bride and guys, he's announcing guys, it's, a, it's a trumpet can we <laughs> it's a trumpet yeah sorry he's announcing i'm just so excited. he's announcing <laughs> all the way to his bride he's announcing his coming he's going for his bride and he's announcing and he's blowing the trumpet and so if you look in scripture right mm -hmm. what does it say it talks about right before jesus comes back that we're going to hear a trumpet, that the trumpet sounds. Yes. And so <laughs> that's showing that, the wedding, right? That, that Jesus, is. Jesus, yeah. the bridegroom coming back for his bride. And he is so, so excited to have us be home with him, 
and us be with him forever in eternity. I mean, we have him now, right? We have him in our hearts. We have the Holy Spirit in our hearts. But when we're reunited with him, you know, when he comes back, that's going to be, it's it's just going to be yeah. great. Yeah, it is. So it's just, it's, uh, in that part, remember how we're, I was saying that we would look at each other and smile. This was one of those parts. He's <laughs> like, he sounded the trumpet and we'd look at each other and smile. Oh my yeah. gosh, well, it's actually, a trumpet. Actually, in that moment, you said, oh my God, because <laughs> you couldn't believe it's it. It's a trumpet. Yeah. So it gets better, by the way. So so he goes and he and he finds, uh, you know, obviously she hears the she hears the trumpet. She comes out. They meet, and they are so excited for each other. They are so happy to finally be face to face because they know what's about to happen. They know it. They they they're gonna get married, and he's gonna take her away. And guess what? He takes her away. How does he take her away? Well, she sits on this chair and the and the and the the groomsmen who represent angels, mm-hmm. right, in scripture, they lift the bride up. <laughs> Guys, you have to see this documentary. Oh man. They lift they the lift bride her up, up and they they the words that they express us, they fly her to his father's house. Mm-hmm. And that represents, of course, the rapture. Yeah. Um, amazing, amazing, yeah, amazing. Yeah, because it, it says that we're gonna that the angels are gonna come from the four winds and they're gonna take up the church and then we're gonna meet with Jesus in the air. Yeah, we're gonna be caught up in the air. Mm. And so, and what does it say after that? Well, guess guess what the Jewish tradition or Galilean tradition for this wedding is? They're gonna party. Hard for seven days. Seven days. Why is why is why is it so significant that it's seven days? Because that represents the seven years, right? And that represents why the rapture happens before the tribulation. Well, I actually think of it differently because the number seven in the Bible signifies perfection and completeness. Yeah. And I think when when Jesus comes for us, then we'll have that perfection. We'll, we're going to be in our glorified bodies, and yeah. we are going to be complete, right? Because when a husband and when a husband um, and a wife get together, they become one. Yes. Right. Oh man. Oh man. Okay. So go on. <laughs> <laughs> so they celebrate for seven days, and like you said earlier, you know those people who weren't ready who were asleep, who didn't hear the trumpet, who didn't hear that this party was going down. I mean, it was it was a, you know, if you if you hear about it, you you know, you're you're in, right? Right. But if you don't make it before that door closes, you're out. Yeah, it's it's so significant in the documentary because you see the bridegroom and the bride at the table inside the house. There's people in that in, inside the house also and they're rejoicing and you see them but you see immediately that the door closes behind them. Yeah. Right. And then you see a group of people coming and they're trying to get trying into to get in. yeah. into the house. And the people, you know, the the people in the documentary are saying that um, nobody after that door closes, nobody can get into the house from outside. Nobody, nobody can come 
out of the house that's inside. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty cool. That's that's really good. <laughs> and so, I mean, and that's exactly how it's going to be, you know, when when we get raptured up and we're we're away in the seven years we'll be celebrating and, you know, with Christ and, you know, after that, it'll be his second coming where he will come and then take everybody else right. um, who was uh, who has gone through the tribulation. Um, so, again, watch the documentary. It's it's awesome. It is awesome. What is it called again? It's called Before the Wrath. Before the Wrath. And that, again, that illustrates a perfect picture of what the, you know, uh, eschatology that we stand by. Yeah, uh, and I just is. love it because it opened up my it put, it opened up my eyes because literally, I mean, how many times do we see the gospels reference weddings? Yeah, right. The documentary, uh, you know, the people, the documentary were like, it's so interesting that the first miracle that Jesus does is at a wedding, yeah. <laughs> and it's the fact that he's turning the water into wine, and we yeah. go back to how them drinking the wine represents, you know, the accepting of the, co- the covenant and it's yeah. the blood of Jesus. And I think, I think that's also why it, why it's so important and why there's such a huge conversation going on around marriage and what it's supposed to be. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, with, with gay marriages and all the other stuff that's happening, you know, it's, it's the devil's way of distorting the uh, something that is really so sacred. I mean, understanding understanding weddings. I mean, I, I knew weddings were sacred, but watching this documentary and understanding where all of that really comes from makes it s- that much more special. Right. Um, yeah, and that's just significant what they said in the documentary about, um, just the devil being against, just being against marriage. And I think that's why there's so much, so much attack against marriages. We see adultery, we see a whole bunch of, um, sin trying to just break up marriages. And it's because it's a shot. I just love that marriage and we don't see this, but marriage is a shadow of Jesus and his church, where it says it it says uh, it tells the husbands, husbands, love your wives as Jesus loves his church. church. (laughs) Oh, man, that's so good. And it's just uh, that's why there's so much attack. And um, yeah, yeah, I mean, we could almost say that it's it's foundational. Mm -hmm. Really, it is. It's foundational. Um, so yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, I mean, watch it before the wrath. Um, it's great. It's amazing. Um, and again, we, it's not, we don't talk about this to scare anybody into believing. It's just, it's important that you look at the signs. I mean, all of you out there that are, that are listening, that are waiting for evidence that, I mean, it's it's here, it's here, it's legit here, and it's more important the evidence that's being that it's available now than the evidence that came before because 
Why? Because it signifies how close the end is truly near. So, yeah, and like we said in the beginning, a lot of people don't want to talk about the end times because they're like, you know, I, I, I want to keep living my life. You know, I don't want to think about Jesus coming. I mean, by no means take it as stop living and quit your job yeah. and stop, you know, because that that's not that's not the point. Again, it's it's being prepared. It's being awake. It's not being idle. It's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And again, it's not to scare you. You know, if 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 you're afraid of talking about the end times, then I suggest you pray about it because it re it truly is a, a message of hope. Mm -hmm. I feel like you're looking for a verse. I'm just looking for the. I'm looking for this wedding feast. Um, cause I want to read it. Maybe we could end by reading this. Uh -huh. Um, so say some things while I try to find this. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'll say some things. So I'll take this opportunity to invite everybody to check us out on all of our social media. Our handles are Christ alone podcast, except for Twitter. It is Christ alone pod. Please follow us. Please share, go to Apple podcasts. Um, leave us a review, please. It is very, very important. You could also reach us at 407-588-7979. You can leave us a voicemail, send us a text message. If you have a prayer request, if you have questions, suggestions, whatever it is, um, you know, hit us up. We'll try to get back to you as soon as possible. And we'll, you know, we'll pray for you. Uh, if that's, if that's what you want and if that's what you feel you need, um, anything, please just, uh, we're, we're here for God's glory. And if that's something that God puts in your heart, well then, you know, that's what we're here for. Amen. So I want to read this. It's about a wedding feast, the parable of the wedding feast. Now it does look at it from a different perspective than the bridegroom and the bride, but I do want to read it. Um, and I want to, maybe we could close off in just our thoughts about this. And it says, this is Matthew 22, and it says, And again, Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son and set his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast. But they would not come. Again, he sent other servants, saying, Tell those who are invited, See, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen, my fat calves, have been slaughtered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. But they paid no attention and went off. They paid no attention and went off. One to his farm, another to his business. While, while the rest seized his servants, treated them shamefully and killed them. The king was angry and he sent his troops and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, the wedding feast is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go therefore to the main roads and invite to the wedding feast as many as you find. And those servants went out into the roads and gathered all whom they found, both bad, <laughs> both bad and good. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. It gets better. But when the king came in to look at the guests, he saw there was a man who had no wedding garment. 
And he said to him, friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, bind him hand and foot and cast him into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth for many are called, but few are chosen. <laughs> wow. So listen, this is definitely for you. I think okay? we could do another podcast just, we, just talking about this. Yeah. I mean, this is oh, definitely man. for you. Listen, I, I, you know, we, we have, we have in our minds, we have different reasons of why we do things, why we go certain places, why we listen to certain things. And I think that whatever that reason is, ultimately, you know, that's just, that's just the surface of it. The, the, the foundation of the real reason of why you're listening to us right now is because Jesus is calling you. He's calling you. He's tugging on you. He wants you to pay attention. He loves you. And he wants you to see the truth. Okay? Um, so, <laughs> I mean, I, I, could, I could keep going on, but. Well, I just want to talk really quick about this wedding feast. All right. Talk. Sorry, I, I felt it was important. No, that is important. I thought you were trying to cut me off. Oh, no, no, no. Okay. Yes, guys. Jesus, accept him. So this wedding feast, man. We ha So we have a king, and he's telling everyone, come to our wedding feast. But the people, they, are, they don't want to go to the wedding. They hear this invitation. <laughs> <laughs> and they don't want to go to the wedding. You know, and we see that that is these people that don't want to go is Israel, right? Yeah. That that God has invited them into this into this wedding feast, right? That He's thrown for them. Yeah. Um, and He's He's, and, and they they're like, no, we want to go about our business, right? He he, it literally says that they go back to He goes back to His farm, another to His business, right? They go back. They're like, no, my life is more interesting than going to this wedding feast. So then he's, he tells his people, he's like, no, go out and find people that are both bad and good, right? Both, right? So it's not, he's not, he, he doesn't say go find and ju just go find the people that are doing good, right? Go find the people that got it together. He says, go find people that are both bad and good. And we see there that that's when he, that that's his invitation to all of us, that whether, you know, no matter where we are in our walks, right, that his invitation is open to all of us, that we would come to this feast, right, that we would come into this uh, eternal life, into this, um, yeah, into this party with him, right, um, and it's just so good, and, and I just love the second part, because it says uh, that there was this guy at the wedding feast that he didn't have a wedding garment, so in this, um, specifically in uh, some of these weddings, people when they were when they went into the wedding they had to put on a wedding garment that the king that the that the person providing the feast was providing that the person providing the feast provided to the guests right yeah but this specific person did not was not wearing the garments right so what does that signify it signifies that this this person didn't receive Jesus into his heart he wanted to be part of the feast he wanted to be part of the 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 wedding party, but he didn't receive the free gift of salvation, right? Because mm -hmm. like we've said before, when we accept Jesus into our hearts, you know, we understand that we are complete sinners. We we do not deserve his mercy. We do not deserve his grace. 
Um, but Jesus died on that cross so that when we are before the Father, he doesn't see our dirty clothes. He sees Jesus' clean clothes. He sees his garments, right? So it's just, this is just so good. I, I mean, it's just, again, there's uh, there's references so much in the Gospels to weddings. And God just wants to speak with us. And I know, um, I, I think it's just very important that if you're listening to this podcast and if you're moved by this podcast, we hope that it would move you to seek God for yourself. To, to read about what we, you know, what we mentioned, that you would read it for yourself, that you would read the Gospels for yourself. Because if this podcast is your only connection, quote unquote, connection to God, if, if going to church on Sundays or going to a Bible study, if that is your only quote-unquote connection to God, then, then, then you're not really connected to God, right? You're, you're going to church, you're, you're listening to the podcast to hear what God told somebody else, right? But God, in His love, He wants to speak with you directly. You know, we talked about the white stones in the beginning and yeah. how we each have our own name. God is a personal God. He wants to have a personal relationship with you, you know. So, so uh, not only do we you, do we hope that you you know accept Him into your heart, but but we hope that you would understand that what that means is that you would seek Him in relationship, you know, that you would read the Word. I I know sometimes maybe as an unbeliever, sometimes even as a believer, we think. If I read the word, you know, I've tried to read the word before in the past and I don't understand it and it's very confusing. But when we are connected to the Father, when we ask God to open up our eyes and open up our hearts, then it is as clear as day. You know, so some parts are harder to understand than yeah, others. Yeah. You know, um, but the majority it is clear as day what he is trying to do. So so if you haven't done it for a while or if you've never read the Bible, we encourage you to start in the Gospels and see how God is going to start to speak with you directly and make sure that you're not just reading, but you're also praying, God, speak to me through this. What is it that you want to say? And he will give you understanding. He will. You know, it's not the Bible is so cool that it's not just like any other book, right? Sometimes we read a book and we're like, I don't understand what this says and I'm never going to understand yeah. it. But if you read the Bible with the eyes of the, you know, it, with with the Holy Spirit in you, being guided by the Father, then you're going to understand things you didn't understand before when you didn't have God in your heart. Amen. And I know I thought we were closing, but it looks like we're opening again. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, and we also found out today that, you know, uh, the Bible, 30% of it almost, is prophecy, mm. right? And there's a purpose for that. You know, the reason, the reason is because that is how you can tell that it has a divine nature, that there is a God who made this all happen, that put this together through, you know, different authors and... Again, you know, over 63,000 cross-references that don't contradict each other. I mean, I, honestly, how much, all I can say is or ask is how much evidence is enough evidence for you, mm -hmm. you know? 
at some point you have to come to a decision. And I encourage you, whether it's one way or another, you need to come to a decision. Because not not being one way or another isn't going to help you anyways. So you might as well pick a side, so to speak. Right? And I don't know. I, we're praying. We're praying for all our listeners all the time. So um, we just, uh, you know, we ask that God touches you guys and, and softens your hearts. And again, this is for you. If you're listening, this is for you. Yeah. And and again, God loves you. Yes. Yes, he does. And, and he's, listen, he's got a plan. He's got a plan. And it's all happening. It's, mm-hmm. oh, my God, I... Listen, I, I we could keep going on because uh, of all the stuff that's going on in the news, you know, with Israel and all these rabbis claiming, you know, one rabbi claims that, you know, this, this, uh, by the way, feast of trumpets, um, which could also signify, you know, something else that we won't get into that has to do with the end times and, and rapture and all of that. But this feast of trumpets that's starting in the next couple of days for the Jewish nation is you know he said he went on record and said hey listen i've been i've been a, a rabbi and i've been teaching for 40 plus years and i've never talked about a messiah or the messiah but guess what this is the last feast of trumpets that we will have without a messiah potentially having a messiah being revealed through this big gigantic jewish celebration mm-hmm. now as christians we know it's not a revelation of a Messiah because the Messiah was revealed back in 30 BC or mm-hmm. 30 AD, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, through Jesus. We know Jesus is the Messiah, but we understand that they're talking about the Antichrist. Right. Uh, we have another rabbi that uh, I think four years ago and maybe recently also reiterated that he's been in contact with the Messiah who's been getting ready to reveal himself. All of these, you know, prominent rabbis encouraging their people. There's a word for it. I can't, I can't remember it, but there's a word. But he's calling all the Jewish people from all over the world who have been scattered through, again, prophecy mm-hmm. in the past. He's calling them to, again, fulfill prophecy by asking them to come back to Israel, to come back. Um, you know, at tell, letting other rabbis and other scholars know, hey, don't leave Israel mm-hmm. because the Messiah is coming soon. Right. Again, their coming of the Messiah is different from us because they're still waiting for the first coming. Um, but either way, we are both anxiously and excitingly waiting for this to happen because we understand what it means, the the fulfillment of all this prophecy. And I'm just telling you, it's it's not just us, you know, talking here. It's happening, and the evidence is there. And if you read Scripture, you, there is no way you can look at Scripture and look at what's happening and say, this has no, this has no correlation to one another. There's, there's nothing going on here. No, there's absolutely something going on. And it's that Jesus is coming soon. So repent, accept Jesus. And, um, you know, oh, you know, we want to see you. We want to see you with us. Amen. So that's our outro, right? (laughs) (laughs) 
right. yeah, I do want to, um, I want to apologize. I know last episode probably didn't sound too great. Yes. It was our first time with, it, w- it was my first time with a microphone. So hopefully I'm a little uh, louder this time. If not, uh, I'll be louder <laughs> next time. No, you did pretty well. You could see by your uh, sound waves there. Okay. Um, also, uh, we it, it was a bit of a time crunch with me editing the post edit. And so I also apologize for not, you know, I tried to adjust it afterwards and I think I might have made it worse. So I apologize. I mean, if you have questions, just call us directly and we'll talk to you for hours. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but yeah, we do apologize and we thank you again for supporting us, for tuning back in, for taking advantage of, you know, God being glorified and, you know, taking advantage of this opportunity to listen to God speaking to you because he is speaking directly to you. All right. So thanks again. Please like, subscribe, share, um, and, uh, you know, feel free to let us know how we're doing. Again, we are completely open to, you know, accepting prayer requests and whatever you guys might need, Mm -hmm. you know, in the name of Jesus. Amen. So uh, God bless you guys. God bless.